Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 85 of the Wrist Cheese Radio Podcast, your place for horological hot takes, taboo topics, and often unpopular watch opinions. My name is Schmidt, and as always, I'm joined by my good buddy. You guys know him. You love him. Mr. Bro Dinky. What's up, bro? Um, I'm just mostly pretty KO'd from this weekend. Uh, it was <laughs> child's birthday pandemonium here at the house. Yes, so, yes. you know, one day to prepare one day of utter chaos and then zero time to clean up back to work. Yep. Right. So it's, it's just been one thing after another, totally exhausted, went off without a hit. So, uh, really good, you know, really, really good weekend. Um, you know, I, I sent some, some random funny photos and things along the way. Uh, including a mural of Lightning McQueen that I didn't chalk on the on the driveway. <laughs> Kid's a big Cars fan. What can I say? So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, how could you not be? It's a pretty good franchise. It is. Although it it's funny. I, I did see a meme one time that was like plot of Cars. It was like Cars One racing, Cars Two international espionage, <laughs> Cars Three racing. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. Then planes, <laughs> starring Dane Cook, right? That's, that's who plays Dusty Crop Hopper. In case uh, some people have not seen the offshoot planes, oh, sort of same universe, not exactly the same franchise, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, overall, really good weekend. Um, never never enough time, never enough hours in a day. Yeah. But that aside, um, yeah, really good all, overall. How about you? Good man. Uh, finally getting a little bit of a respite to relax. Um, not traveling so much this week. Uh, got a couple things here and there to do, but uh, you know, keeping myself planted for 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 a little bit, which is great. I'm certainly excited for that. Um, let's see here. Excited to be recording another episode. Yeah, eighty-five, like you said, my friend. Yeah, eighty-five. Like you said, the weekend is never long enough. Uh, we were very busy doing kids stuff all weekend, as is the case with summer. Yeah. Um, everything is is go, 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 go. So what are you going to do? And uh, here we are. Here we Drop we on Monday. Are. So, Yeah. And uh, we should have some interesting stuff lined up today. You know, there's been some some weird happenings and doings lately that we'll touch on a little yeah. bit. Maybe not in the sense that everybody, everybody thinks or everybody hopes for, but we'll touch on that a little later. Uh, we did get a a lot of new things uh, in the past week. <laughs> Wait, I mean, like every time I think we're not going to get anything else new, and it's like, bam! New yeah, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I I almost had to like okay. pick and pick and choose a little bit this week, just because there was there was so much of it, really. Yeah. Um, you know, which is nice. You always squeeze in for the next one, but uh, it's 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 really crazy. Um, I guess we'll start with these uh, Seiko Five. So Seiko Fives are dropping in vintage inspired form again. Yep. Um I'm looking One at S- super vintage. Yeah, so I'm looking at SRPK09, SRPK11, SRPK13 and SRPK17 and uh there are JDM models as always with those. I personally like to pick those up cuz they have the fun uh day wheels on them. But these are sort of evocative and inspired almost by the the rally diver look of old. Um, I really like that Seiko is just doing this on a regular basis now where they're bringing back 
models that are inspired by old models, not necessarily the one-to-one, not yeah. necessarily, um, you know, the same sizing or movements, right? Like a lot of those old automatic chronos are coming back as uh, quartz chronos and things like that, which I, I think is is appropriate. It, it keeps the old ones sort of in their own glory and puts some new technology into something something newer. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to get different size cases and things like that. But again, they're kind of playing on this uh, Seiko 5 Sport that we, we've talked plenty about, that there are a lot of additions. However, these... Um, they're neat, you know, and like you said, there's one edition that is is very vintage. It's got a cushion case. It's got a, a very vintage style bracelet when compared to mm-hmm. your standard Seiko Five Sport, you know, Martini Olive Secondhand, as you like to call it, and just all the all the vintagey goodness. I think this one's going to be probably the most popular, easily out of the bunch. Yeah, but you're getting some cool colors. You're getting some neat bezels. and uh, just some unconventional stuff, which is nice. It's always nice in in this idea to have more choices to have sort of a, a a pick of the flavors right as we as we kind of allude to all the time um you know it, the uh the new seiko ceo i think it was said that um i think i mentioned this before he said that they make too many watches basically that they make watches for they make so many watches that they make watches for nobody as opposed to focusing and making watches for somebody and i i I completely have disliked that since he said it and i i don't agree and these watches although they are funky and they're a little out there like somebody will enjoy these and yeah that's what's great about the company is that they offer things at a wide variety of prices they offer things at a wide variety of styles right they have an entire branch of like their site that you would look at and they're not even for like the watch person per se like it's more for that sort of casual casual buyer that needs something right so i'm thinking if you ever seen like the seiko dolce's like they're quartz they're gold plated but they're sleek and they kind of have you know the handsets that we think of when we look at um dress seikos and things like that and for and for somebody who's in that realm that's probably a cool watch yeah yeah and that's all right you know so I think making um, enough watches to, to cover everyone, I, I don't see how that could be a, a bad thing. I mean, I guess you could say, oh, uh, sort of a analysis paralysis when people are have too many choices or, you know, there's too many ideas. But I'm not I'm not one of those people, so I'm all right with it. Yeah, no, I, I, I can definitely uh, agree with you there. I know we had touched on this before that you had mentioned it either on last episode, the episode before that. Or maybe we were just talking about offline. Yeah, I always get lost. But, I can't remember to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same here, same here. But uh, but no, I, I I completely agree. I I've never seen having too many options as a as a uh, a negative. Um, I've always deemed it as a positive as long as you have a direction. Okay, yeah. Yeah. it's not it's not just about making models for the sake of making models. It's making models with intent, making models with intention. Whether that's you know paying homage to to past design cues or to past legacy whatever that might be okay it's there but don't just make watches for the sake of producing new things right produce things that people want produce things that have intention and i think that this new little capsule collection if you will if maybe that's a, a term will apply to the rest of the industry 
Um, this little collection thing is great. I mean, they're summary watches. They're inspired by a lot of stuff that we've we've seen in the back catalog. My favorite is the SRPK one seven. Yeah, I think that I like at first when I saw the watch, I immediately thought it was a vintage watch. Like I, I there was no doubt in my mind that this was a vintage Seiko. It had the sideways, you know, the 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 rectangular link bracelet. It had the old school kind of rotating bezel. The crown is at four o'clock, but it's like deeply recessed under the case. Right, which like, many old models did have. Many old models did. So I, when I'm scrolling through this before I sent it to you, I'm like, what do we have here? <laughs> I'm curious. I I think that it probably just pops out, but I'm curious to know if they put. I don't think they did, but the the old models, like similar to this, you had to push the crown in to change the date and the day and date. And it was terrible. It was a real big pain in the neck. Hmm. If you ever owned a, a, a you know an old 60s Seiko or anything, you have to push the crown in two spots to get it to jump. Um is it a push pull crown or it's like you push in, pull out, push in, pull out, push in, pull out? Well, so you, you pull out to change the time. You push in one spot. I can't remember if you push in once to change the day or date. And then you push in further to change the other one. And so you really have to like you have to get the first one right. And then you have to gently push it to get the second one right. Because if you don't, you're going to set the other one off track you know what i mean <laughs> and then it was it was a real a real pain in the neck uh the uh 61 huh. 39s definitely have that so if you ever own one of those you know but what I'm the other thing about. too i don't know if you noticed they used the old school seiko 5 logo on this one they did which is also quite interesting it's it's super cool because all the other ones have the new kind of like superman shield type uh s logo but this one is the old school just the five in the shield and I love it. It's very nostalgic. I think it's very cool to see that back on a modern watch. And I'm curious to see how it's going to do. Because I think it's cool. And I think it's funky. And I think it's just very, like, vintage enough. Yeah, I think this is a, a nuanced example where you're going to see people say, oh, what do we have here? You know, like, it, it's interesting enough that I think it'll turn some heads. I think people will buy this watch. So I like that. I like that a lot personally. This this is this is a watch again that's made with intent. You know, it's a it's a watch made for the enthusiast because only the enthusiast would understand these these nods. You know, it's it's like the Easter egg in a movie. Yeah, right? yeah it is. Only only the true fan will pick up what you're putting down. You know, totally. Um, so, uh, we saw recently. Seiko dropped an homage to the old Teal Divers. Well, Citizen says, hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> and they've uh, announced a variant of their Marine 1760 models. So this is the AW1760-81W. And it's a 43 millimeter diver, 11.7 millimeters thick, has an eco drive movement. And it is also very teal, uh, mm -hmm. you know, black bezel. It's got a cyclops on the date. Uh, I can't. Would you call this an H case? I'm not sure. It's it's right. It's right bordering. It's right bordering that H case, but it's got a little bit of a rounded flare. It kind of reminds me of the old Seiko Shogun, if you're familiar with that one. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
But yeah, it's, it's not quite. It's not quite H, but it's not quite like barrel shape. It's right, somewhere it's, in between. It's in between, but it's it's pretty cool. Um, it's a it's a good looking watch, man. I'm not it gonna is. lie. It's pretty slick. It I love pops. I love the bottle rocket. You know, hour hand. Um, you know, to me that's that's really cool. It's just you know the 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 markers that they use here. I mean, obviously you have your traditional circles, which you see a lot on a lot of dive watches. But the markers at fifteen, at thirty, at forty-five, and at at you know sixty, they're they're different. They you know, it's kind of like an elongated like like I don't know, like an elongated arrow or like a um, yeah, like a pencil tip. You know, it's cool. It is. It feels cool. a little vintagey, but still feels pretty modern. Yeah, I'm a little curious as to why. On the second hand, they left it white. On the 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 back side of the second hand, the counterweight has black. is black. All the other hands are outlined boldly in black, and it looks really good. There's a lot of contrast. Mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. kind of left that off the second hand. Like I would have thought you would you would have kind of kept the stem black, maybe outline it in black, and leave the little loom white in the middle, and it would kind of pop like the rest of it. It's just a Sort of a peculiar. Yeah, you know, I I didn't notice that until you mentioned it, but now I can't unsee it. <laughs> well, you know what it is? Everything else pops yeah, yeah. so much. And no, that you're right. You're right. Fades in, and you know, not that that's a huge deal, but I'm just no. curious. Curious to the least. Yeah, it's interesting. And 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 this and with that criticism too, I wish the second hand was slightly whiter. Like it just feels a little bit too skinny in contrast to the to, to the rest of the handset. Yeah, and but, you never know. In person, it might be a little better. Some of these are yeah, kind of yeah. renders. You know, they're they're not always a hundred percent true. Yeah, yeah. But I guess it's we'll a cool see. watch. It is cool. It is cool. It's very well. It looks well executed. It's nicely designed. Um, again, forty three can kind of go either way. But I'm curious enough about it that I would check it out. So, um, yeah, the the teal diver is just all the rage these days. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Shout out to Doxa. You know? Yeah, I was going to say, thanks, Doxa. <laughs> Another watch that I, I'm just yet to add to my collection, but I want that Bro, car, you got to do it. Dude, the carbon, the carbon, though, the carbon aquamarine is for all that ex, the extra pop. That's and, and the thing is, that kills me is like you're in a place where you can actually get one in a store. Oh, I am, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like of all the people that live and listen to our our podcast around the world and certainly around the U.S., your state is the only one that actually physically has doxes in the case lines, and you still haven't gotten picked one up. I, for shame! I gotta get out there, you know. For shame! <laughs> all right, we'll keep it moving here. Uh, actually, we'll more citizen. citizen. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. more to citizen. This one snuck right under the radar because I think right after we dropped our show last week, yeah. we got sort of perfect watches for a grad or someone maybe who you're, you're buying for who might not be a watch person, but an ideal watch to get somebody like that. And here we go. We got a 37 millimeter Pro Master. And I was like, oh, my God, like, you got, it's almost like they knew what we were, we were doing, you know, like, yeah, just like straight just kill us right now. Yeah. It's like, dang it, how did so we you, miss this one? You got you got your kind of your typical black diver, you got sort of a Batman-y look, and then you've got one that's just a little more feminine, I guess. It's like a goldish case with a, a light pink strap, and mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. got a, a gray coloration all around. But 
all three very cool, but I, I just think that they it's interesting that they made this sort of um one that's just a little more feminine. I mean, you, you typically don't see divers come in like that. Like they're technically yeah. kind of branded masculine watches or um you know they're hyper um fluorescent colored because uh of the utilitarian nature of a dive watch you have something that's that's actually sort of more fashionable in this package also which is kind of neat you know so yeah you're giving everybody a little bit what they want yeah this is this this is a cool watch man 30 again 37 has been a very popular size this year um as you know even as much as we kind of make fun about the uh size game right and how they're it, we're always splitting hairs over a millimeter here millimeter there right i know like it really freaking matters well, right before well, the whole thing was oh it's it's 39 that oh it's 38 now it's 37 right it's yeah <laughs> unless you're the explorer in which case it's 40 oh my god right <laughs> <laughs> yes after we explain, send it back down to 36 we'll put I, it back in at 40 i had to explain this today to my wife's friend, she has a 36 millimeter uh, champagne dial date just mm-hmm. um, someone in her family owns like a, a mom and pop jeweler shop um, and she gets it. She's very into like fashion and, and kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so. So this is not the only kind of realm where things are tough to get or you have to have sort of a connection or the whole game song and dance. Yeah. You know? yeah. And um so my wife still kind of doesn't really understand the whole thing with, with wait lists or, you know, preferred <laughs> customers and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and she was telling me that her, one of her coworkers managed to get a, a Rolex from a shop in the Island. But I'm like, listen, I was like, I don't know if they paid retail. They could have paid five grand. Oh yeah. I could find you a million. They could Rolexes. have bought a used watch. That's what I'm mean, saying. Like... I could, I could, I could, I could get you any Rolex you want. If you're willing to pay over sticker. That's not the issue, you know. What or, I mean? or, or if you're willing to 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 buy an older piece, right? Or or something to, that let's, someone let's turned in to, to non to non watch people. New doesn't matter. Yeah, if I, it's if it's a Rolex and it's pre owned, it's sitting in the case, it's you know, whatever. They don't care. It just says Rolex on the dial, right? And so she, so she was anyway. She was kind of explaining how she was talking to them, and they were saying how. She mentioned, oh, she said something along the lines of, oh, they don't make 36 anymore. I'm like, well, they they make it in this. I was like, maybe they were talking about the Explorer got bumped to 40 now. I was like, you know, I was kind of explaining how the different models are traditionally sort of sized in the same realm within mm-hmm. a few millimeters. Mm-hmm. And now with modern sizing, you get some variation and stuff. But, you know, they're looking at me like I got two heads because I'm, I'm, I'm splitting hairs over a millimeter, but I'm saying how that changes and i think it looks worse and it matters okay i swear to god it matters okay (laughs) so you know it's it's one of those things where you come out looking like an absolute doofus but you know in our minds it's 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 all it's so true though i mean yeah it's so true you know and i i I was and i was just saying about classic size watches and so so how they're sort of more friendly for all wearers and that they they go all the way down you know they made men wa- men's watches down to 34. Like it's it's weird. It's weird how it got so kind of off rails in that regard, but yeah. Here we are. <laughs> but I love this watch. I do. I do too. And it's uh it's funny because um 
I had, I bought the original Promaster in blue, the quartz version. I believe it was 42 back in the day, 42 or 43. And I had the blue one and it was just kind of beat around watch. It was one of those like late night eBay or Amazon purchases, you know, yeah. like 80 bucks. It was inexpensive. So I bought it. And at the time, my sister-in-law, she was living with us and we were all getting ready to learn how to go diving and get certified and everything. So I gave her that watch. Because it nice. cost me nothing, and she wore it for her entire dive certification. I think she still wears it today. And as soon as the watches dropped, I had to DM her. I was like, look, it's your watch, but now it's smaller. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a more feminine version, too. So uh, so I'm waiting to hear what she's going to say after she finds that out. But uh, uh, no, it's a cool watch. I, I have a lot of respect for this watch. I think it's fun. I think the colorways are cool, um, especially if you're looking for something a little bit more summery. Um, and you know, I think the black is 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 a great go to. I think the 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 kind of gold plated case with the light grayish accents is really feminine, very cool. But I think my favorite still is that blue. It's a nice especially blue now. It's it's a nice blue, and especially now they added like electric blue accents on the the dial and on the strap, that. which they didn't have previously. Before it was just like all navy dial, navy bezel, navy strap. Um, so I think this is pretty cool, and the size again at thirty-seven millimeters is is fantastic. So very very cool watch, and it's you can't kill it. It's an eco drive. Just make sure you keep it next to a light source. This is the one downfall with eco drives for all of us wisp people. Uh, if you keep it in a dark watch box, it doesn't charge, and then uh, eventually you'll kill the battery cell, and it can't charge ever again. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, batteries these days are pretty nuts. Like, I know my my solar Seiko diver, somewhere wherever it is, like, that thing still kicks, and it's it's in the basement, and it's – they they have a very long battery life these days. So it's, it's pretty – it's like There's six no months question. or something. Yeah, yeah so, so the, the power reserve is like six to ten months typically on, on manufacture. But my point is, if you keep it in a watch box, it doesn't have, like, a glass lid or something like that, and you're storing it in there, yes, the battery will run for six months. But once it starts to get to the end of the battery life, if you don't charge it with natural or artificial light, yeah, it will literally drain the capacitor, which is what makes the eco drive technology work. It'll drain the capacitor in such a way that it can't recharge anymore, which happened to me personally with one of my old eco drives. It's just I had it stored away, and I'm like, this thing will run forever. And I forgot that I actually have to occasionally expose it to light. <laughs> And then yeah. it just it just, <laughs> just RIP'd itself. So I mentioned that as a caveat because a lot of us have boxes. We we store watches differently. And you, even in the basement, you're still getting light. Yeah, I do. At some point, you know, when it when it, when you go down there and do work or laundry or whatever, the lights are still on. So it can charge. But if you just put it in a closet somewhere, eventually it's gonna die. <laughs> One peculiar thing about this one, and I'm curious to know how the, how the date snobs react to it. It's not a 4.30 date. It's a 4 o'clock date. Yeah. And it's perfectly in line with the crown. So I think I think that helps the OCD crowd. Yeah, maybe. I'm curious. Because I mean, honestly, it just looks like a marker. It does. So I'm curious to see what sort of what the reaction to that is. I mean, I'm sure given 
you know, the Look, low the low price tag on this watch. Nobody will even care. But I mean that somebody's gonna care. <laughs> the, these these date window Nazis is just it's like, dude, we get it. You like a no date. Just buy a no date. Don't even look at it. If it's got a date, don't even look at it. We don't even want to hear your opinion. And it looks like these are coming out of three seventy five, so that's that's yeah. not a bad price. And you know, and, so and that's retail. So right. I, I'd give it, I'd right. give it a few months, let them come out, and I guarantee you'll start finding them on eBay for around hundred bucks, hundred fifty bucks. It's a pretty solid watch. And that's a Amazon a special and everything. Super beater for a couple of bones. Yep. Okay, onto a watch that the date snobs will hate, or I should say, two watches. Uh, Gay <laughs> has rehashed. Oh my type god. 20. I have never seen so much, so many more hateful comments than I did about this watch. <laughs> and I don't know why. I think these are pretty cool. I, I mean, I agree. But again, you know, date windows. What are you going to do? Yeah. So you're getting two variations of the classic chronographs. Uh, one that's sort of, it, it kind of reminds me of that long jeans that just came out with the, mm-hmm. the super yeah. bezel. It kind of, kind of has that vibe to it. I mean, appropriately it is a a relative company but uh it's got a lot of launching pilot aesthetic which is i'm mm-hmm. sure also pretty brigade as well but uh, it yeah. reminds me a lot of the um navigation big eye as far as the handset and the numerals and things like that but you know 100%, you're, getting, uh, you're 100%. getting that that sexy brigade logo uh you're getting a an aggressive for i don't know if you call it a 430 date it goes from four to five so yeah four and a half it's pretty hefty but you know what it's a pilot it's supposed to be big and legible so why not right i mean look i can see people's criticism i understand it and i think for some people the other big aspect too is it does say swiss made like under the date frame which is totally i didn't see that it looked like it was just an outline yeah no it's totally swiss made so a lot of people are like what the f (laughs) why and that that part i understand like i get it it's a weird place for it to say swiss mate yeah (laughs) which okay yeah you could have just tossed a little smiley face above six and called yeah it was just like okay all right well we'll just we'll call it a day but look at the end of the day get over it you're not buying the brigade anyway you guys don't care. You're not going to spend that much money to buy a Type 20 or a Type XX, XX which is yeah. you know Type 20 anyway. Uh, but they're distinguishing between, I guess, the military-inspired version versus the, the civilian-inspired version. Regardless, you guys are going to buy it. So so move on. Keep it moving. It's a beautiful watch aesthetically. I love the 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 lug shape on this one. I love... Dude, the crown um, is sick. The, the, yeah, I mean, well, they're two different crowns. So, like, if you're looking at the the, the I'm kind looking of at more, the, the one with the the greenish numerals. Yeah, if you look at the one with the green, that's sort of the onion the, onion crown. Too. It, I would almost liken it to more like a diamond shape, like a physical it, diamond. Yeah, it looks like the cartoon diamond. Yeah, exactly. I and, forgot. I used to know the name of that shape. I don't know what it is anymore. But... I'm just gonna call it. It has a shape. shape. I, it, it has a shape. It's a it's, thing. It, when you picture like a cartoon diamond, or like when you think about like um. Like uh, if you ever seen like the the old ones that were popular back in the two thousands, like the Bape clothing, they would do like that diamond, like that cartoon diamond with the yeah 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 all the lines. Like this is what yeah, I- just just take a stroll down the Diamond District in New York City and look at every other 
every other street poster yeah, and, and signage yeah. outside of building. Yeah. They all look like this. You it's know? all this cut. Yep. So um so it's got the quintessential diamond look. I love the kind of syringe style, you know, second hand with the loom in it. You know, it's just a very antiquated way of doing everything. But I just I like the watch. Period. Plain and simple. I like the watch. Does the date window off put me a little bit? Maybe. Do the subdials cut into the markers? Yes. They did so also on the original. Yeah, but you're going to get that with the big like, eye. This is ridiculous. It's like it's cutting the markers. I'm like, yeah, but did you see the original one that this is inspired by where that exact same phenomenon happened? So get over it. It's fine. A lot of chronographs looked like this. Our forefathers who were actually using these watches to fly planes didn't care. So why should you? You're not buying it anyway. If you don't like it, then go buy a Longines. Plain and simple. I like the watch. I don't hate either reference. Again, the Swiss made thing is the only thing that's probably a little weird for me because I've legitimately never seen that before on any watch. Yeah. And you know what? Maybe that's a nuance that will make this watch collectible in the future. I like what you're And we'll talk here. more about that later. <laughs> I like your illusion. That's that's nice. But uh this other one though, this other one's really good looking too. This sort of more military, more tactile version. Yeah. Right. So this one has sort of uh more of a black and khaki look to it. It's got yep. cream loom. Um, you're getting three sub registers. I don't know what you call the the style of the of the the big eye of the three registers, but I like this sort of basic layout. It's it's not defined necessarily by a circle, but it's it's just markers. But it looks good. Like it's not it's not misplaced. Yeah, it's this just, is uh, this is what you see on the on the uh, the the Breitling on the uh, yes the the AV watches. Yes, yes, yes. They they have that kind of. They don't have the big eye, but they have that kind of no, delineation. I, yeah, there. I dig this. It's it's a cool, definitely a cool design. Um, you know, you're getting the 12 hours on the bezel. Dude, I like it. At, I, I like at the, the uh, what would you call these look, alpha hands? You know, they, they look almost like, like, a, like a broad alpha hand, yeah, like a wider shaped alpha hand. And that's probably what I was going to call it a broad alpha. Yeah, I like um, it. My favorite thing on this entire watch is I love the nine character that they use on the bezel. Look oh, at the yeah. Nine. Yep. It's weird, right? Well, it's sort of like the the old open sixes and nines. Yeah, but it's weird because the tail doesn't even extend outward all the way. It kind of looks like a G. No, it's kind <laughs> of like almost like artsy, like from an old yeah. an old time. You like you would see um, on like an old cartoon or an old maybe in like an old newspaper or something. Like it's yeah. definitely uh, an artistic play on numerals. But it's cool. And to me, these are the little nuances that make this watch special. It's it's not a watch for everybody. It was never intended to be a watch for everybody. One, it's a brigade, and it's a sports watch. Yeah, I mean, like it, it's like it's like when Glashuta makes a diver. You know what I mean? Like it's it's not a watch for everybody, but it's a cool watch to have in your collection if you like it. Why not get it? If you don't, then shut up about it and keep it moving. Or if you like something similar to it, then buy a long jeans. And those long jeans can be found. They're they've always been pretty reasonably priced on the secondary market. Like you can Absolutely. get one for like get one for like fifteen, sixteen hundred bucks, something like that. 
and and the thing is that kills me about this whole type 20 stuff is we've talked about this before this was a military code designation right a lot of manufacturers made these watches because they were made to military spec so they all looked the same <laughs> I, I it just it blows my mind i love the watch i think it's cool Swiss made, I could do without, but again, maybe that makes it cool later on. Yeah. All right. Up next, Unimatic has put out a, a I guess, a capsule collection of watches. It's the Syria 8 Vintage Navy capsule. Yeah. Um, dude, I don't really know what to make of these. Like, I, I, I guess they're just going to do this in every color now, and, you know, you get a few different styles of watch. You have something that's pretty divery you get one that's sort of a generic h case looking one there's a chronograph there's one with a a heavier bezel on it and steel and you know the watches are cool and they're very clean and you know they're definitely interesting but like i don't know man like how, how many of these can i look at before i'm like okay uh look i'll tell i'll tell you this we touched on it before unimatic is the collab brand okay it's the brand of collapse and until they make something new and different, I'm going to tune out. Because I own an original Unimatic from literally the first production run, the first time Houdinki mentioned it on the blog. I have an original Unimatic from that, that, that era. Okay? I still own the same Unimatic that's being sold right now today. There's no evolution other than the color range. And sometimes they'll use a different material every so often. It's time to go back to the drawing board and start refining the craft and, and create the next generation, the next evolution of what your product line is going to be. You got four watches. Okay. My favorite has and will continue to be the diver. Yeah. I think the chronograph, the pushes are weird. I think the all flat bezel is too big. The bezel's too fat. It visually looks too small. You know, mm. it's like a. It looks to me like a modded Seiko. You yeah, know, when I get people that. used to take the 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 seven S two six cases and they used to freaking put the big bezels on them. Yeah, it just looks mad. weird. Okay, the H case design is is fat. It's a very thick watch from the side profile, even though it doesn't look like it. So for me. There's a lot of things that are cool about Unimatic. They do a lot of cool, trendy stuff. But now it's time to really go back to the drawing board and make something different and new. Not Eric Cartman. No, not Eric Cartman. Although the Hanky Poo watch would have been Come much on, better. Mr. Hanky would have been so much better. Oh, the Hanky Poo. It's the Hanky Poo. Or like yeah. Miss, Mrs. Garrison would have been would have been a good one. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, again, yeah, it, 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 this is sort of what I feel like we were talking about, where sometimes you'll say more is not necessarily better because it's just sort of bland and it just sort of seems for the sake of putting it out there. It's not necessarily inspired. It's not necessarily driven or in demand or yeah. something that adds any kind of extension. It's just a, another color. You know, here it is. And and that's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> no, again, you're absolutely right. It's very uninspiring. 
and it's cool. Does it look bad? No, it's just no, not, not at all. It's not also impressive either. So there's my there's my take, hot take. Yeah, that's kind of all it is. There is to that. Like I saw it, I was like, oh, okay. Another one, like DJ Khaled. Another, <laughs> Another one. one. Another one. Another one. That's funny. All right. Long Gene, speak of the devil. Uh, they have a new conquest out. This one Finally. is kind of interesting. I mean, this one comes I like it. 41 mils to 11 mils thick, which is nice and slim. Uh, it's, I like it's, it. It's a very sleek design, I would say. It's, it's, it's very nice. It's very clean. It's sort of just a, a very nice overall uh, sporty look to it. The dial color has been what's been getting me most. Um, it, it, you know, it's technically a brown, but it's not really. It's more like a honey, like a honey color. Yeah, or like a bronze. Yeah, like a, like when I think bronze, copper, like this is kind of what I think of. I know people use copper dial sort of synonymously with salmon. But when I think copper, like I think aged copper, I think of that like patina color. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is what I think yeah, of. Sam- like, salmon is pink, man. Yeah. It's not, it's yeah, not, yeah. copper is not pink. Right. So I, I think those get in- interchanged a little too often. Yeah. But yeah. this is, this is a cool color, man. This is like, uh, like I said, kind of like honey, maple syrup. It's not like a, it's not like a poop brown. It's, it's got a little more yellow to it, a little more gold. Yeah. So the official color, as per the website, is sunray brown. It's fecal brown. You're an idiot, bro. <laughs> but but it's literally sunray and the color for every other dial option. So sunray green, sunray blue, yeah. sunray silver, sunray black. The brown so, has got me the most at all. But it's the the brown. I think is very cool because it is like you said. It's like a honey. It's like a bronze. It's like a copper tone, and it's beautifully finished. I mean, I I think, you know, I I was never a fan of the conquest. Right. Um. And before, I was a fan of the Hydro Conquest. Yeah, right. I was gonna say not to be confused the Hydro Conquest. Yeah, but not the Conquest. The Longines Conquest from from many many years ago was a very bloated, weird design. It had funky crown guards that didn't match the 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 rest of the profile of the watch. It it just was not well thought out, and it's kind of that same phenomenon. It's like let's take a diving watch that we know is very popular. Let's take off the rotating bezel and put a smooth bezel on it. And that was the previous generation conquest. Yeah. And then you had these gigantic Arabics at 12 and 6, way too oversized for the dial. And it just was not a very cohesive design. This is a much smarter, much more sophisticated, uh, much more modern take on this watch. And I think it's going to be a very nice seller for, for, for Longines, especially at under $2,000 for a sports watch in steel. Um, it's very cool. Hundred meter water resistance, really nice style finishing. You get an exhibition case back. Now the only thing that's going to be a little, a little bit of a moan is it's twenty one mil lugs. Okay, get over it. There's plenty of twenty one millimeter straps. Yeah, I don't know if you want to take this off this bracelet. This bracelet, uh, the bracelet looks, looks awesome. Solid. Though. It's kind of an H link style. Um, and it looks like the tolerances are super tight, like super tight, very low profile. And it looks like it's got a lot of articulation in it. From yeah. What I can see. Um, that looks like just, a comfy this, bracelet. This just looks like a very smart, well designed watch. And I think this will be a very, very nice seller in conjunction with the already very popular Hydra Conquest. Um, but this, this feels to me a little bit more sophisticated. It's like the Aquaterra. 
You know, yeah, like if I, I had to put this in a category that sport dress watch, it's it's like an it's like an Omega Aquaterra. Now, do you think that 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 there's like a ring that goes through all the markers? Do you think that's uh like etched? Is that like dug in? I think it's engraved. Yeah, it looks like it's that engraved. looks cool, man. That'd be and it, I mean it. I think it would it would probably be a little too corny for this model per se, but if that loom, that would also be kind of neat. <laughs> sort of like yeah, a sandwich it's a, style. Uh, it's like a, it's like a radial etching. Yeah, almost like like record, like a record groove. Yeah, but this, yeah, it's just uh, so it's a little. It's thick, a nice touch. It's it, cool. It, it it's visually breaks cool. up yeah. the dial and it looks really sharp. Yeah, and it sort of you know separates your your minute track. But like I said, when I when I. <laughs> When I Google the old God Quest, yeah, it's and I look at it compared to this, a little I'm bit like, of an eyesore. Like, who designed this old watch? Nothing against you if you haven't listened to this podcast. Uh, no, no real offense, but a little oh, bit of it's offense. just it's dated, it's a dated it, watch. It's just, yeah, it's it was very 2000s, very 2000s, and just a little bloated. Time for a refresh, and I think I think they knocked it out of the park with this one. No, this I think is it's slick. a very good looking watch. This is slick, you know. Uh, then these these are the the kind of releases a company like Longine needs, you know, like yeah. I mean, and they're already doing very well. No, I mean that. Well, that's what I was about to say is they're they're not hurting. They're among the most well known watch brands name wise, as far as I and know. And they're in like the top five if not certainly the top 10 watch brands in the world right well I, that's because they have that sort of affiliation with you know the the golf the horse racing crowd mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right they have a lot of ties to luxury and i don't want to say like the rich man sports but you know ones that usually they take a lot of money to play yeah they, yeah. they take a lot of money to be involved with right owning a horse is really expensive or even you know doing riding lessons and all that like they're it's it's barrier to entry you know what i mean even yeah. buying golf clubs is expensive i mean you can get a crappy pair uh crappy set but like after a while you're gonna want a decent decent set and then that's a few few grand on, <laughs> yeah. on just clubs and and hardware and spikes and by by the the end the time you're done with green fees and tipping the caddy you know <laughs> yeah yeah plus plus let's not let's not forget our our favorite dime piece alpine skier Michaela Schifrin is also an ambassador for them. Hey, so. you. if you're not a fan of Michaela Schifrin, please go look her up, and you probably will be a fan. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I like. All right, last up on the new docket, although certainly not the last release of the week, um, we got a special edition Rolex. Kind of a weird thing. They don't usually do things like this. Well, Rolex has to change everything up. We've been saying it a few times now, and I think this is even more indication that they uh, that they really have to make a desperate change. So this is in honor of, I believe, the hundredth anniversary of or a hundred years of Le Mans. Le Mans, yeah. <laughs> and it's a Daytona. It's black. It's got a black sunray dial, and it is yeah. it, it, in typical Rolex fashion. It is in white gold. <laughs> yeah, it's in white gold, and it's a black dial panda because you know they discontinued the other black dial panda, or the other black dial Rolex Daytona from you know the previous versions when they relaunched the new version with the uh, with the white dial, and the platinum one with the exhibition case back. They 
didn't bring out a black dial version. Uh, this just, this has an exhibition. They were, they were waiting for this. But to me, again, it's such an odd piece, and everyone's losing their mind over it. Look, is it a beautiful watch? Absolutely. Does it reintroduce the singer dial that we see from the Paul Newmans? Also interesting. It's a different chronograph movement now because it has a 24-hour time indication on the chrono dial, which is also something Rolex has never done before. Correct. So there's a lot of interesting things about this watch, but you have to ask yourself why. Why did Rolex make this? Because it's a very on-the-nose commemorative piece for them. When you yeah. think about most of their products, the Hulks, the Anniversary Series, they've always been extremely subtle. They'll do a green bezel, they'll do a green dial, but there's nothing that indicates an anniversary year. There's nothing that indicates any type of throwback to, to previous collections. It just is what it is. This one, you have a vintage-inspired dial that we haven't seen on a Rolex since the 60s and 70s, and then you have a demarcation of the hundred year mark on the actual yeah. tacky bezel in an alternate color. Yep. This is like stuff Omega would do. You know what I mean? Like it kind of reminds me of their like Olympic stuff. stuff. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But this is the kind of stuff that Omega would do in its novelty releases for its pieces, right? Like the if you think about the most recent 60th anniversary bond. They changed the triangular marker from the marker to 60 at the yeah, top yep. because it was 60 years, right? That's the kind of stuff Omega has been doing for many, many, many years now. And we're seeing Rolex do it. It seems very anti-Rolex. And I don't know if there's been a change of leadership at the top of the company or if they feel like they have to be more in tune with a modern buying audience. But it's really interesting to see them really break the mold from themselves and start doing things that are very different that they've been giving a lot of crap to other brands for for many years. Especially their diehard consumer base. They're like, oh, yeah, Rolex doesn't do that because it's beneath them. Yeah, well, here corny. they're doing it. Here they're doing it. So I know all the boys are going to be running out to go get it because why not? Oh, we haven't had a singer dial on a Rolex since 1969. Cool, whatever. But don't fool yourself. This is an odd piece for me. Yeah, and you wonder if that's going to make this one sort of a ultra rare, ultra collectible type going forward. Um, I am a big fan of the singer dials. I I kind I like the the red hundred. You know, in this case, kind of makes sense. Um, Daytona, not my favorite chronograph. It, it is what it is. It's, you know, nice, yes. But again, white gold. I don't know really where to place unobtainium. it. Yeah, unobtainium. Yeah, it, unobtainium. I guess it's a it's a cool idea. Look, there, there's people who are going to get this watch, and it's going to be amazing. And you get a, a, a bunch of little key features here that you haven't seen on Rolex watches for a very, very, very long time. The last the last time I saw a singer dial on a modern Daytona was like a Bamford customization. You know what I mean? Like yeah. uh an Art Attempts uh uh customization, you know, like stuff that we only saw people modding. And now you have the company actually doing it themselves, which is very interesting. Uh for me personally though, I think they got the text on those subdials a little bit too small. 
Um, it feels a little bit too um, too plain in, in contrast to everything else around it. That's just my personal take on the watch. Um, other than that, it's gorgeous. Like it's a beautiful watch, uh, arguably. And you do get another exhibition case back on this model, um, which you didn't have uh, on any previous white gold version either. So not only does the platinum model have it now, now we have the first white gold version, or I guess other precious metal outside of platinum that will also feature the exhibition case back. You know, maybe it's time to lose the cosmograph on the dial. <laughs> I mean, we, we've spoken about it at length, and I think everybody kind of knows it by now. Like, why, why are you still putting that on there? It's, it's not it's something to be proud of. It's because they they didn't want to to to. I mean, this is what happens when you get made fun of and you just lean into it. You know, you get this, you get the 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 quirky the quirky nickname, and you just feel like, yeah, that's my nickname, and you just kind of like own it. I feel like it's that. Because anytime that you try to like tell everybody that it's not your nickname, now we're gonna make fun of you more. And and let's be honest, how many people outside of the the watch community really understand the idea of what cosmograph is supposed to represent? Yeah, but I feel like it leaves the trail of breadcrumbs for you to Google and find out it's something stupid. Right, like if if you but, took it off the dial, uh, nobody okay, would know. bro. That's putting a lot of credence on people actually going out well, and doing independent well, pe research. People are, are curious people, and, and they're going to see the word Cosmo, and they're like, maybe this watch does something really cool that I don't know about because I'm not a watch person. All right, let me Google Cosmograph. Okay, let's see. Oh, this is going to be a space watch. Oh, but it wasn't, and it didn't meet spec, and it got beat by the actual space watch. And why are we celebrating this? Again, I agree with you, but I'm not the I'm not in charge of marketing for Rolex, so I could care less. Uh, tis what it is. I'm just curious myself. Okay, so uh, if you haven't figured out um, by now, after alluding to things as collectible a few times throughout the episode, that's going to be kind of the the core of things here, and that sort of stems from the recent happenings. Um, you know, there was uh, sort of an auction that went awry recently. I think everybody knows about it by now. Again, the details really are unimportant. This is not the first time this has happened. This is probably not the last time this will happen. I mean, we've seen it happen with Rolex. We've seen it happen across however many brands now. And honestly, it's a part of the hobby that really doesn't interest me. Like the whole insane money Yep. you know sums and things like that like that that I, I tune out i, tune I out guess so it was hard. cool like it was kind of cool at first it's like when you when you you find out how much a bugatti goes for you're like oh my god but then you're like uh, who oh cares my god. what i mean like <laughs> you're first you're like oh my god and then you're like oh my god this is cringe <laughs> you know like, like who, who cares at the end of the day so like all right i like i guess it's neat i guess you know these brands kind of trying to seek out these models that perhaps existed once upon a time, you know, using their resources like archives and things like that. And, you know, alleged experts, we're going to throw the air quotes up there. You know, I, I guess it's neat. It's almost like treasure hunting and that's cool. But I think there's just too many potential points of failure to sort of make this, uh, to make this a, a, a successful thing long term you know what i mean there's too yeah. many angles too many people 
that could be compromised. There's too many variables. I mean, we know going back that that watchmaking in the past was a little bit of a hodgepodge situation because you had 100%. parts that sometimes got slapped on watches just because they existed, just because they were there, right? And you got rare iterations. You got um, short runs and, and things that have become nuanced and, and ultra collectible. And that's cool. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I like that part, but the hyping it up into ultra rare, let me spend a bajillion dollars to try to seek this thing out. Like, I guess, look, if you got the dough, good for you. Like, do you, or even if you're that company and you want to buy it back at auction, cause you want to say this belongs to us and we, we should cherish this. Yeah. That's great. But you know, the feasibility of being able to really put a, you know, a, a stamp on this is, ultra authentic right as as a true um you know even if it's been serviced does this have 100 percent authentic parts right oem stuff um you know or is it you know all original pieces or in a lot of cases is it a franken you know yep. who knows again it's going to be hard to um validate that in a lot of cases and so i i don't know if that puts a damper on the whole thing overall just the uh the sort of will never know angle and so in thinking about it and how, you know, I would, I would like to sort of spin that into an episode is that, excuse me, uh, I was thinking about the, I guess your, your way to combat that is going to be to sort of um, find your own grails. And I, I say that in a, an interesting way in that, you know, Grails are what they are because they're usually very sought after. They're usually very popular. Somebody else has decided that we all need this this watch, this model. Yeah, or that specific version of it, right? Right. This iteration with the red text with, you know, whatever it might be. Now, you don't necessarily have to subscribe to that. And I'm, it's something that I've kind of gotten into on my own. And I, I've tried to sort of tell people along the way is that you know, that 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 cookie cutter stuff doesn't really fit everybody, right? There's yep. so many of us, yep. there's so many different tastes out there. You know, just because the popular rendition of a watch is not the one that jives with you, that doesn't that doesn't necessarily matter. I mean, if you're strictly chasing value, maybe. But if you're chasing something that speaks to you and that you're going to sort of cherish as a as a grail watch and, and something maybe it maybe it's a super cool find maybe it's something vintage maybe it's something modern maybe it's something that you landed on that's that's modern and and maybe it's not appreciated now sort of like you know I, i've spoken before and i was i was talking about this weekend the hulk was was considered kind of a a man yeah it was kind of considered just an offshoot that wasn't very popular it was a, it was, it was it definitely was, not very popular it was a loud it was a loud crazy. color yeah it was a loud color for rolex it was kind of you know it was an anniversary so you're like okay that's cool but they were certainly being offered at retail and in in secondary they were under i'm 100% yep. sure yep. of that it was yep. offered to me that way so you know it's okay to to find those things and maybe they'll catch on later, which is cool. Or maybe they don't, which is also cool, you know, because you'll always have, you know, available parts and things like that, which is nice, but being able to find those things for yourself, you know, could not only be lucrative for you, but it could also, you know, maybe you wind up with something rare and then it becomes collectible and nobody can get one and not that you'd sell it, but now you could say, wow, you know, I'm glad I snatched that up. 
Like yeah. I'm a person who has this iteration or I'm a person who, who saw this coming a while ago. And, and I, I saw the potential of the Swatch Hatter. I saw, you know, th- this spoke to me in such a way that nobody really caught on at first. And now look at it. Like it's a, it's a, a cult phenomenon, right? That's happened so many times where, where a watch gets sort of cult following and that that's kind of what makes it fun, right? The, the yeah. actual collecting of things is that, I mean, look, but, we were talking about a, a silly Mr. Jones watch and look what happened, right? Every, everybody <laughs> thinks this watch is the bee's knees now. And now, now there's an automatic version of what used to be sort of a joke watch. Yeah. Right. It's a little more serious now, like, but that's, what's cool. Right. I think about something like studio underdog, like they were just like a fun colored chronograph. And now look what, did you see their, their most recent release? Like they sold out in like a minute. Yeah, I mean, and that it, was across all the models, all these variations and stuff. Like, it's nuts. It's a little crazy, but that's that is the 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 cool part of this hobby. And so, where I'm going with this is, maybe it's better to find sort of what checks that box for you instead of letting a I'll throw the air quotes up again taste maker tell you what you should be collecting. Right? There's so many. There's so much of this. Oh, you need the jingly jangly jubilee. You need uh, you know, a a, a Cartier. You need a ba ba ba. Like who who's I don't want that. Who said I need that? Yeah, right. Why why do you have to follow the herd? Why do you have to be a sheep? You don't have to be a sheep. You can like what you like and just you know make your own. To to I'll I'll steal a a slogan from Oris here and go your own way in that regard. <laughs> right? You guys can, uh, <laughs> oh, man, you guys can plug me on that one later, but <laughs> you can go your own I always way. think of that, whatever, whatever is that, but, um, yeah, but yeah, that, I mean, I think that's sort of the fun part about this hobby. And I think that's something that will keep you connected to it. If you can sort of channel that. Yeah. And so long story short, I, I, I know we, we I sort of, put this out to you as your homework for for the week but i i've developed sort of a uh a list of watches that i thought like might sort of fulfill this uh these criteria of being collectible going forward in the future based on just sort of where they are now and you know their uniqueness and and just the fact they stuck out to me and they, they don't have to be special per se but watches that i find super interesting based on who they're released by what they look like, you know, just, just little things that I'm like, you know, I could see this becoming a collectible in the future. Yeah. But it's also just because I see this now and, you know, might not become anything ever, but who knows? I, I, again, I think that's fun. I think trying to figure out, you know, what's an all timer is fun. Like, I think, I think that's really what it is. Like I, like if I think I pick out something that I'm like, this might be an all time design. I don't think people see it yet, but I think it's neat. You know, I think I think it's almost like sort of that that modern day treasure hunting, if you will. So, um, so, I'll, so what do you, what do you get? Well, I'll kick it off, and I'm, <laughs> I'm probably gonna take you take take one of yours right off the top here. Um, I'm gonna go, and I guess this is sort of this is almost a dual pick because it's they're they're analogous, but um, I said the the green SMP. The, the green 300 meter. Okay. Sort of offbeat. Again, I mean, obviously sort of inspired by that Hulk, but it's not nearly as as loud, right? And it's sort of, uh, you know, it's a little more distinguished, but 
definitely something that when I saw it, it stuck out to me, and I was like, this has potential to be to be to be a popular watch. Like, I, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but down the line, I think people will see. This is something they don't do often, but I think it's done super well. Like it, you know, it's a dark dark green. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's in. I mean, I consider this rendition of the three hundred meters sort of like a, a a golden era for the, for the watch. Like it's really hit its stride. You know, it's it's got the ceramic, yeah, it's got I, I would crazy agree. tech I mean, in it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I would agree with you on that. I mean, it's. I've always been a fan of the of the diver. I've never owned one actually, but I've always been a fan, and uh, I, I I would agree with you. I mean, it's yeah. got it's got that u- ubiquity to it where it's 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 a household diver. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and now it can stand on its own. You know, before people really only identified it by the bracelet, but now you could put it on a mesh bracelet, you could put it on a rubber strap, and people will immediately recognize the design. It now stands alone as its own thing based on what it is. Um, and I and I could not agree with you more. I think the green is a solid color choice. I love it. It's a it's a very handsome color, and it's it's nice and dark enough that you know certain lights it's gray, certain lights it's blue, uh, or I'm sorry, certain lights it's black, but it's a very 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 good looking color, and it's very militaristic. You know, it's got that kind of like warfighter vibe to it like to me the hulk could never really be a serious watch because it's 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 a comical color of green this is this is like military olive drab you know that kind of thing and i like it right and sort of across the aisle similar but not so similar um but same idea would be the the black bay harrods um, just because they never really put, I don't think they ever put a number on production. No. Yeah. You know, and they've been sort of hit and miss on when they drop and if you'll get one. And so I think, I think that might be a sneaky one kind of comes up out of nowhere. Like people will one day be like, Oh, we didn't, we didn't really seek this out, but it, it, we yeah. also didn't know if it was limited. And now there's, turns out there's this many of them and you know, how many of them wound up in, you, you know, have been lost at sea and blah, blah, blah. And now there's yeah, only yeah, however yeah. many left in the world type of thing, you know? So I can totally see that happening again, sort of similar idea across brands at, at this point, but, but I, uh, I made it sort of a, a dual dual pick there in that regard. No, I like it. I, I think that that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, the Harrods is only a watch I've seen once, literally only once uh, from a collector that, that I know he owns one, but he literally had to move heaven and earth to get one. And, you know, it, you're dealing with one retailer in only the UK. Yep. And you can only get it there. And if they call you and you live in the US, like you better have a buddy go pick it up like because it's gone. You know what I mean? Like they're going to call the next person on the list. So it's a very, very interesting uh, watch. I love the colorway, too. Um, it's everything that the solid gold Black Bay Fifty Eight wishes it was, because yeah. <laughs> it's a it's actually a very nice handsome color of green versus what they decided to use for the the gold version. Yeah, um, but very very good pick. Uh, my pick, if I was gonna have to do anything, uh, you guys know, 
uh, I'm a huge Omega guy, so I, I definitely have to have an Omega in there. But my first pick is actually not an Omega. Oh, uh, it's a Brightling, actually. And yeah, I, uh, I know I we've a been a little bit. I have bit, a Brightling uh, too. We've been a little bit uh, on the I'm on the Hades side for 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 Brightling recently, but this watch to me when it was re released uh, a couple years ago, um, absolutely stuck out to me. I fell in love with it. I had a collector buddy of mine actually buy it, and then he has since moved it on. And I was just like, man, I really wish you would have told me because I would have loved to say, hold on to that for me for just a little while longer. Uh, but this is the Brightling. Reference 806, 1959 reissue. Uh, this is basically a reproduction of one of the original Navitimers um, and the way, you know, the good Lord intended it. <laughs> with an AOPA logo, with Navitimer on the dial, extremely busy, manual wind, just everything that you need and nothing you don't. And I absolutely dig this watch. Um, I think this is one of those watches that did pretty well initially. A lot of collectors really wanted to 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 buy these watches, but then I started noticing that sales of them started trickling off, and I think a lot of that was attributed to the manual wine aspects of this. You know, Breitling is known for for chronographs, and they're specifically known for automatic chronographs like their one series. Uh, but this is basically a, modifi a modification. Of the O1 movement, but making it manual wind. It had a Hesselite crystal on it too. So it was very vintage. And I just don't know if the full community was ready for that. Um, but to me, it, there's just something really, really handsome about this watch. It's handsome in its complexity. And that is what I love about it. It feels very purposeful. Yeah, you know, something about this design has always, you know, despite its busyness. I mean, this is what I'm talking about when I when I say like an all-time design, like it it is hard to make something so complex and with so much going on and I know there's a practical use for this, not that I know how to use it by any Correct. means. <laughs> but, you know, the the Breitling Navitimer is a prime example of what i was talking about a a unique design that is you know it's just unmatched like they, there are very few watches that can that can hold a candle to this in yeah in the same idea of being complex but attractive but classic yet you can reissue it today and it doesn't seem out of place no not at all you know, and know. it's got it's got a ton going on. I mean, it it almost gives you a headache looking at it. But I've always I mean, it's, I've it's always a little been freaking calculator. I've it's always literally been a slide smitten, rule smitten by the the Navitimer. Yeah, it's... especially because these come in smaller sizes if you go back far enough. Yeah, which is also pretty neat. Which is crazy because they even fit that yeah, much how did crap they on a smaller tile. You know what I mean? <laughs> It's like I kind of understand the the idea of a forty six millimeter Navitimer, right? Like it's like now I can actually read everything. I mean, yeah, I was gonna say if you have to read it, but yeah, I mean it's it's super cool. It had a very practical use at one point. You know, it gives you it gives you those military vibes. It's got the the badges, you know, to to show it's got it's got the chops. Super cool, great pick. I thought you were gonna take a Brightling away from me there, and I was like, "Well, kids, this episode's gonna be a little shorter." <laughs> <laughs> Would you pick the Cosmonaut? Uh, so I got one for you. It's a little, 
off the beaten path, uh, path. It's a little not so brightling, but that's kind of what I like about it. This was the Super Ocean Heritage 57 Rainbow. Ooh, uh, okay. All right. So for you, those of you who don't remember, they released these. They're sort of a diver aesthetic. They've got sort of a, a, a stadium bezel, I guess you'd call mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. where it's almost like a little bit of a bowl. And then on the inside, you have rainbow markers going around. And it, like I said, it's very unbrightling. And they made these in black and blue, I believe. Yeah. But that's what I like about it. It was kind of, it was a very vintage design. Sort of a modern touch on it, you know, with some modern materials. But. It's know, a I've, cool watch. Yeah, I've always just, I, I, I saw this and I thought it was great. And, you know, the tag on it was a little hefty, you know, you know, I was, I was like, I don't think this is for me, which is fine. You know, you don't you don't have to go out and buy everything, but. Just seeing it, I, th- I think I let, you know, the black for me is the is the winner just because of the contrast. Yeah, it pops, but, it pops. But, the blue, the blue washes out a little bit more. It's still very attractive, but it washes out a little bit more. The yeah. black is definitely where it's at. Yeah. And I, I know, I think Mike Stockton has this. I heard him talking about it one time with the, with the whiskey boys, but it's just it's it's just very unique for a modern watch, and I know it's yeah. sort of a vintage inspired modern watch, but I thought this again, given how unbrightling it is, and sort of, I, I mean, you I think just this, go I think full this, sand and get the white dial version. I, I think this represents a period in time where I mean, rainbow is very popular, right? We were seeing a lot of rainbow markers, even yeah, if, yeah, you know, gem maybe set, they weren't bezels, yeah, whether they were stuff, yeah, whether yeah, whether it was gem set or not. We were seeing sort of that rainbow be a popular thing, and it was it was kind of a a quick flash in the pan. But I mean, look what you got from it—you got something funky like this. That like I don't know if they'll ever do anything like this again. You know, I know they're playing, and, with and color. it's true. And it, and when you think about too the the Super Ocean Fifty Seven, like that in itself is a very funky design, right? Like already it's funky. Right. The hour markers, the handset, the stadium bezel, the super thin profile of the case. This one had a, a mesh bracelet version, too, that was integrated. It was like a flush-fitting mesh bracelet. Yes, yes, it was a very interesting design, but that's how the original Super Oceans were back in the 50s when they came out in 57. So very futuristic, very cool, and you're right. This was definitely a flash-in-the-pan type moment for a lot of people, and that, to me, is the kind of things that make watches collectible. Right. You know, like I know for a fact that Breitling 806, despite it being a very handsome watch, it was not a very fast mover towards the end of its life cycle because it was a manual wide. It was vintage. It was, you know, a limited edition. Yeah, it has like crystal. Like it was more expensive, right? This is also one of those things too. It's got a beautiful dial. It's very anti-Breitling. Um, and it's a rainbow color. Like, who doesn't love the rainbow stuff that we see on watches now? Which I think is very cool. Yeah, so it was a, a, a niche pick. Something that could, uh, I thought it might fit fit the fit the criteria. I like it. I like it. Okay, so I got a little bit of a throwback throwback. Okay. Uh, this is a Hoyer. All right. Um, specifically the Hoyers that were relaunched, uh, what they call the re-editions that came out in 1996. This is a celebration of an anniversary year for the, for the Hoyer Carrera. 
McD McD's ears just perked up. I heard it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, what's up, McD? Uh, but basically, for me, this is a very cool watch because it was a late '90s watch. It was basically a reissue of the original Carreras with a little bit of a 90s flair on it, if you will. But these had manual wind Lemania caliber 1873 uh, movements, I think it was. And basically these were, yeah, 1873 movements. These were basically Moonwatch calibers. These are basically 1861 Moonwatch calibers in a Hoyer watch. Interesting. Now, it doesn't say Omega on it or anything like that, but it's made by Lamania, who makes the 1861 caliber, right? So this is a manual wind, you know, 17 or 18 joule cam operated chronograph movement in a Hoyer for the anniversary. And there was a few different versions um there was like a gold case version a steel version and kind of like the black dial quintessential carrera look and there was even a steel version with a salmon dial not a copper dial <laughs> but salmon um and uh very very handsome looking watches and they were 36 millimeter because they used an antiquated style of chronograph movements they were able to fit it utilizing the original proportions of the original chronographs. And as far as I can tell, these pop up every so often and they go for maybe three and a half thousand dollars. That surprises me. I imagine it'll be a lot more if people start finding these pieces. But I mean, given the given the popularity of like the the Hodinky reedition. Mm-hmm. Eras and stuff. I'm shocked that those didn't just shoot up in value like crazy. I mean, maybe they did. Maybe they were cheaper than that. But that seems like it's honestly a bargain. I mean, you're you're getting a a beast of a movement in there. It's not even like oh well, they they made you know a uh, a great case and everything, and then they slacked on the movement or anything. Like no, this is <laughs> this is not that. <laughs> yeah, when I I first heard about this story forever ago, I can't remember where I heard it. it was a blog or. Uh, a podcast or something where they were like, yeah, there was a there was a, a Carrera with like basically a Moonwatch movement inside of it, and I googled it, and sure enough, this thing popped up, and it's always been one of those watches in the back of my mind. I was like, if I ever had the opportunity, I would really seriously consider getting one of those because it's a great design, it's it's very vintage, and it it looks and feels like a vintage watch. Well, Even that, though it is and, a modern piece. And if you're a big Omega fan, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, why not? Plus, there's no tag on this at all. It's yeah, Hoyer. Hoyer, straight up. You know what I mean? Like, it's old school branding, too. Which is also a ballsy move by the brand. They're like, yeah, yeah, we're going to do an anniversary, but we're not going to put tag Hoyer. We're going to put Hoyer. Yeah, this silver one is so good with the blue accents. There, there were so many good ones, man. It's very interesting that they did it. You know what I mean? Like odd, right? It is, but like amazing odd. Like I, <laughs> I kind of want one of these. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm saying. I'm just kind of like, this is kind of cool. Yeah, and again, for what the, for what a new glass box is going to fetch you, like 
what it's going to run you. Yeah. And and look, I try I tried on the new glass box. They're great. They really are fantastic. You know, it's it's a very 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 beautiful watch. But it's going to cost you close to $9,000. Yeah. So this is cool, man. I know who knew these existed. Uh apparently you now and me and I guess our listeners. Yeah. Wow. Good find. Very good find. Thanks, man. Very good find. All right. I got one more. As do I. And for me, this is sort of uh tied into I guess the hobby that it's it's linked to and sort of the persona and um you know, there's a lot of moving parts here between motorsport and celebrity and sort of fandom. But I think the uh, that IWC Patronus edition. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I really like it. I do. I really like the blue accents. I think it's it's really just a, a dynamite color scheme. And the, yeah, you, know, you can also you can also get it on a pink strap in case you wanted. Um, yeah, yeah, but... you can. It's like super Miami Vice now. But I just think this is so out of the box for them. And the fact that it's linked to your Lewis Hamiltons, to your Patronus. I mean, to... but this is like a direct, like, hey, Lewis, how should we make this watch? Here's what you're going to do. <laughs> right. And you I'm going to wear like... it in the paddock and, you know, uh, make a big stink about it. Because <laughs> there's no jewelry left. But, um, but yeah, I think that all kind of feeds into it. And I guess... You know, it'll go kind of maybe along with with his legacy and the racing team. And again, you know, F1 is really hitting its stride now, especially now that you're having a lot more races in the U.S., right? You're getting a Vegas yeah. race. You're getting a Miami race like Austin. You know, right. The the drive to survive was was really big. So, you know, I think as that grows and as sort of the all these things weave together and you get you get sort of the. The motorsports, you know, timekeeping aspect in there, you know, I could see these being sought out more and more by people. And I, I know people who definitely have bought these because of that. Yeah. But I could just see it being like, oh, yeah, they did this one time and it's in this really sick colorway and like they don't really do this. So this is like your only chance to get that. Yeah. So that was that was my thinking behind that. Again, not th- these are necessarily hard to get or anything but no you know who a lot of your 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 classics weren't at the time right right well, the, i mean the, again the, the newman was kind of considered a joke at first right like it was kind of a absolutely absolutely it's kind and, of a mad watch the, and that's the thing that that people don't realize about the watches that are collectible today the watches that were collectible today were commercial failures in their time because they're collectible because there's far less of them because the demand for them was far less. And so they were producing far fewer quantities. They were sold less often. You know, they, they typically could be, you know, vault queens or safe queens because they were held on to by owners or brands for many, many years. And they finally start finding themselves back out to the market and people gobble them up. But, they were all commercial failures. And the most notable of these examples would be the Paul Newman's. I mean, people people couldn't pay people to to buy those watches. 
Um, I've heard crazy stories about the Numas that we'll share for for another podcast episode. But um, I think this is a cool pick because you're right. This is like one of those moments in time. Because I mean, realistically, not that it ever would. But what if the what if the partnership dissolves tomorrow between IWC and and Patronus? These things happen all the time. You know, they're not going to continue to produce that watch if the partnership dissolves, right? So it's it's interesting. It's a cool watch. As much as I don't understand the pilot connection to racing, I low key like the watch <laughs> a lot. That's always been the that's always been the biggest sticking factor for me on this watch. Is like it's like this is a pilot watch, but you're marketing it to a racer. And there's like no racing element on it because it's not like tachymeter scale. Yeah, or, yeah so would, it's just I it's just think funny. The 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 link that they try to sell people on is the fact that they both go very fast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, and that's totally understandable. Um, which again, I make it makes complete sense for me. Okay, my last pick. Um, in my entire knowledge base of Omega and collecting and everything, um, this is one of those watches that that regrettably i think got away from me uh and i will try my my hardest to hunt it down and i'm almost scared to even mention it on the podcast for fear that everyone's going to try to go and buy it now um but the ck859 this watch is everything to me um it's an incredibly beautiful design coming out of the 1930s amazing gigantic blued hands and markers it's got a sector dial the dial is made out of silver it's a steel case manual on movement master chronometer this thing is a bitchin watch 100 percent. and of all of the omegas that i've ever seen or had experience with or talked to people about this, I think, has had one of the shortest production runs of any full-fledged commercially produced Omega that I am aware of. My buddies told me from their reps they heard the production run was about six months in one year. That, to me, is insane. And arguably, this is just a good watch because it is such an anomaly for a major brand like Omega to do. It's not in celebration of an anniversary. It's basically like, hey, we did this watch that had a great movement back in the day. That movement's not in this watch, but we're paying tribute to it in an unofficial way. But we officially did make a watch. And it's such a nuanced piece. Um, again, it's very Art Deco. It's not for everybody. But you have the old Omega font, the old Omega proportions. I mean, it's a visually stunning watch. And you marry that with modern tech, manual line movement, and the master chronometer certification. I think this watch kills. And it's a strap monster. So if anybody's out there and you got a CK859 somewhere, hit your boy up. Let me know. Well, I think it's got a lot of the the details that we we talked about right short production run kind of obscure not necessarily tremendously popular with you know the modern crowd per se yep but i think this watch captures a lot of what the what is it the the rolex the 1908 i think it, it it's yeah it captures yeah, yeah, a yeah. lot of what that watch set out to do yep um you know maybe it was a little ahead of its time given its release date yeah but 
you know, it's definitely a classic just looking at it. It's, you know, I, I've seen people who have handled this watch in person, be very impressed with it. And understandably it's, it's put together quite well. Um, you're not going to see this every day. You know, this is going to be something it's going to be here and it's going to be gone. And if one day collectors decide that this is, this is all the rage. Yeah. They're going to be hard to find. They're going to be hard to get. And you're going to say, I mean, Oh, it, I should have just got one when I liked it back then. I know. And the thing it's crazy is like the vintage versions, they go for over $10,000 these yeah, days. Right. So, so I mean, we know how that goes. Yeah. Things are only getting to get more expensive. So, there'll never be less ever again. <laughs> and maybe that's a topic for a future episode. But I just feel like the way things are going, nothing's ever going to go back down in price. Yeah. Right. So, but that's it for me. All right. No, I think I think we got some good ones in there. And I think, you know, I, I, I think we it's good that we could um like I said earlier, sort of acknowledge the issue that goes on, but I, I don't I don't even want to give it a lot of air just because like you know, feeding into the whole the whole scandal thing and whatever else, like that just that just it's not encouraging, but it's just like it's 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 a part of the hobby that I don't necessarily want to to shed light on. Like I'm not big on, you know, when people talk about, oh, you know, there's there's all these thieves and pickpockets out in these cities in Europe and blah blah blah. Like, yeah, dude, I get that, but like, you know, it's not it's not necessarily part of the hobby that I I really want to spend a lot of time thinking about. Like, it it doesn't it doesn't resonate with me. It's not like um. I don't know. It, like I said, it's good to be vigilant and it's good to, whether you're, you know, in, in person or you're going to an expensive auction or what, am I, what might be, but you know, I, I think it almost detracts from, from the fun of it and from the, the hobby itself. So I'd, yeah. I'd rather just not even give that a lot of play and just, uh, you know, talk more about things that are uh, a little more fun. I don't know. Yeah. So that's kind of it for me. And uh Wow, 85, man. So we will uh, catch you on episode 86, that means, next week. Uh, Till then, adios. Take care, guys.